Saturday morning. Saturday morning, ready for another podcast. Looking forward to talking about what we have for this morning. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, just another day to discuss and talk about truth of God and how things affect you in your life, and we'll just jump right into this topic this morning, the psychology of choice, and do you really have a choice? When we look at this topic, we want to make it clear that there are times where and circumstances where you really don't have a choice. What we're going to talk about today is when there are options available then you get to choose. You know, if you're driving down the road and the person next to you veers off and hits you and runs you off the road, you didn't choose to do that. You know, when you're a baby uh, conceived, you didn't choose to do that. Your parents chose. Uh, you didn't choose to be a girl or a boy. Um, you know, that was decided by DNA. And so... There are times and there are circumstances where things happen and you don't have a choice. And there are some times when God will do things and it's not a choice, but it is a choice. Um, because God will never force you to accept them uh, because that's not the way they work. They want you to willfully agree with them in order to make a good choice. And what we're going to talk about when we talk about the psychology of choice is we're going to get into choices that you make and how they affect you in your life. And we see it all the time where people say, well, the devil made me do it, or I... Uh, well, you, you forced me to do that. You know, somebody goes into a fits or fit of rage because of something somebody else has done. And that's all derived around choice. When we look at choice, this is why uh, it's really important to understand the psychology of choice. Because when it comes to, to making decisions... There are always options for you to uh, to take and to make, and you can't blame anybody else. That's just a fact. 
you you can't blame somebody else and that's why the word of god says that he made everything clear to everybody through his creation so that mankind is without excuse so man is without excuse so you cannot blame somebody else for the choices you make you are the artisan of your own future and who you are today is largely made up of the choices that you made. You know, I grew up in a small town, but I didn't grow up on a big ranch farm. So I, I didn't have the choice at that point uh, to know that. But as I get older or as I got older, then came times to make choices. What do I want to do? You know, do I still want to uh, live in a small town? Do I still want, do I want to uh, do farming? And sometimes you don't think that's an option. It's just, you don't think about it because of the programming that you have. And I can see it in myself that born and raised in a somewhat, I mean, it's not, this town's not tremendously small, but smaller town being born and raised there and then when I when we moved away I had said I'm going to move back why because this is where my comfort was this is where I felt I I, I lived most of my uh, child years here and I wanted to come back because it was programmed into me the small town perspective but we moved to Northern Virginia and at that point, you know, I was uh, not of age, so I didn't have a choice of whether I moved to Northern Virginia or not. I didn't want to, but I didn't have a choice. I mean, let, let me take that back. You know, as a younger child, you adhere to what your parents are telling you to do, um, because it's that they're guiding you, but I say I didn't have a choice, but I mean, I could have run away. I could have, you know, I, there's tons of different things that I could have choices that I could have made. Um, but I didn't. And so therefore I'm not even, I can't even blame that on my parents for moving for whatever reason. Uh, now, if I would have decided, no, I'm staying, I, you know, I don't know what would have transpired from that. But the objective is, is that mankind is without excuse. So you don't have an excuse that you can blame anybody else for why your faith is not adequate for God. And this is why there's going to be many at the end, at the white throne judgment, that are going to be, well, these people taught us this thing. Well, it was your responsibility to make sure that what you're taking in and what you're accepting is a reality of truth and it lines up with God because those are the choices that matter the most are the choices you make about faith in God, either to seek God with all of your heart or not to. And just because 
you go to a church where that's not being taught and you're not being taught about circumcision of the heart, you have a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, you have access to God. If you really want to know the truth of it, you pour out your heart to God and God will make it clear to you. You know, the Ethiopian eunuch that just had a a little piece of the scriptures, he didn't have the whole thing. He just had a little piece of it. And he ended up getting uh, baptized, aligned up for salvation by that one little piece of scripture. And that's, it's interesting because every single book, every single story within the Bible itself, just one of those is enough for salvation. If you go through the story and you see what it's saying and you understand the concepts of believing in God and uh, obedience to God, because that's always, it has always been about obedience and trust with God. God said it, it, it's stated from Genesis to Revelation in a multitude of different times that you can't get away from it, that there's, there's no excuse for you. So we have to recognize that we really have to take every thought captive and make it submissive to Messiah in order that we can have a comfort that the choices and the decisions we're making are right and appropriate choices. And we have to know that regardless of what you feel, you cannot blame somebody else for your iniquity, for your falling short. It will only be you to blame. And that's a beautiful thing that God set out because God doesn't give, Sean, God doesn't give you power over me to to where I, well, Sean made me do it. No, God said, no, 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 no. Nobody has that power over you. You have the power of choice. Now, does that mean that you're going to like the options that you have, not necessarily, but you have a choice, and the choices you make are what shape you for today and the future. And it's interesting because you you can't change the past, but you can use the past to change your future. Because your future is not set. And if you recognize that, well, I have this, uh, these issues of trauma and tragedy from when I was younger, and this, is, this has affected me in my life up to this point, but I choose now 
I'm not going to let that bother me anymore. I'm not, I'm going to get away from this. And it takes process and it takes time, but the spark that starts an all-consuming fire happens in a moment, in your mind, in absolution. I'm going to change this. Okay, well, that's a spark. So if it's set, then you're going to take that spark and you're going to fan it into flame. And then that, then you're going to feed that flame at the appropriate time in order to have it become an all-consuming fire. And it's a continual building of that fire that is necessary. Uh, and the fire in this life, whether you like it or not, is suffering and struggle. That, that's how you're tested. That's how you're proved genuine before God is what choices and decisions do you make when you're in the fire? Do you choose to trust God? Do you choose to leave it in their hands or do you try to do the self-preservation perspective and you try to preserve yourself? And I mean, we're, we're just programmed in this world for self-preservation because if you don't have faith in God, you don't have the ability to get rid of your own selfishness because that's what has to die and be put on the cross when you crucify yourself with Christ. So you don't have the ability to get rid of your own selfishness. So you're going to continue to do things and you're going to blame other people for those things that you do. And it's a fact. If it comes down to choice, you have a choice. And with those choices, you have the ability to do what is right according to God and what is right according to the world or what is right according to you and how you think it's going to best suit you basing what you do on your own understanding. And this is why we truly have to not lean on our own understanding because that will deceive us all the time. When we lean on God's understanding and we make choices based in God's understanding, then life is a whole lot better. Life is a whole lot easier. Now, you still have suffering and struggle, but the ease comes in your mind of knowing that, well, it's another struggle, and we're going to get to it. It's, we just have to uh, seek to make the right choices because the struggles continue to come so you can advance and you can grow. It's just like uh, we think you had mentioned about weightlifting the last podcast we had, and if you want to get stronger, you still have to have that suffering and struggle, and you have to increase. If you just push the same amount of weight over and over again, you're going to get toned, but you're not going to get strong. In order to get strong, you have to increase the weight as time goes on. 
and you increase it in little increments. And that's the suffering and the struggle that you have in weightlifting that allows you to continue to get stronger and stronger. And it's the same concept with faith that you have to have the struggles. But when you're on the faith journey, the struggles get harder, but you are able to deal with them because you've learned how to deal with them. You've learned how to, well, I'm going to do the best I can. And then when I can't do it anymore, God, I, I need your help. Help me to get through this or help me to see what it is that I need to see to get through this. Um, but I'm going to do my diligence first and make sure that I'm doing what's appropriate and making the right choices and making those choices, knowing that every single choice you make has an effect on your tomorrow. Now, you can make some choices here in this world that won't affect your salvation. That's a fact. Okay, do I drink Coke or Pepsi? Do I drink Dr. Pepper or Mountain Dew? Do I drink soda or do I drink milk? Do I drink milk or do I drink water? You know, those types of things, yeah, they may have an effect on your physical body. I mean, obviously, your body's made up of water, so the taking in water is not going to harm you, but I take that you know, when I say it's not going to harm you, meaning that if you overdrink too much water, that's a detriment to you because what will happen is it washes the sodium out of your body and then that has an effect and you can actually uh, die from that. Um, there was a, uh, this was several years ago that a uh, football player got home from football practice and drank like three gallons of water and ended up dying because he depleted the sodium out of his body enough that it affected him. So, I mean, even with water, there's a balance within it. But if it comes down to drinking water or soda, a lot of times the choice isn't, you don't sit there and think, well, which one's better for me? Is it better for me to drink water that's made by God and uh, doesn't have the uh, the types of additives that soda has? Well, it has additives, minerals. You know, you buy mineral mineral water, and you know, depending on the spring that you get it from. Uh, but from a physical perspective, does that matter? No. Now, are we talking drinking the living water of God or drinking the soda of the world, which is all the, the uh, ingredients that you can't pronounce and you're just taking it in and because it tastes so good and it's got the sugar in it, so it gets you addicted to it. And no, the, the living water of God is better. And that's why we say that, you know, I mean, how many people actually drink more water during the day than they do other drinks? And <clears throat> not very many. Well, 
we need to be moving in a direction of drinking more and more living water and less and less of the uh, sodas and the other stuff that's out there that is being offered. And you look at it, we're not satisfied with the basics. I mean, if we said we're satisfied with the basics, we'd be, uh, you, you'd have your Pepsi, your Coke, and your regular cola. You'd have your diet drinks and your diet sodas, and then that's it. But, oh, my gosh, you've got so many. you got the Gatorades and then the, then the Powerades, and then you've got the, uh, all the energy drinks or what they call energy drinks and uh, diet drinks. And there's, because we're, we're not satisfied with water. Because water is, now, there are people who drink water and drink it on a regular basis and don't have a problem doing it, but that's because they acquired a taste for it. Because when you've been drinking sugar, 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 you have to balance that. You have to get back to where, well, no, I'd rather drink water because, well, it's better for me. Well, the living water of God is better for us, and we want to make sure we make the choice to do that. But but there's always a choice when it comes to that aspect. You're going to be offered things by the enemy, you know, and you with the other drinks that were mentioned, then you add alcohol to that and all the different types of alcohol and all. Well, for what purpose? Well, you get intoxicated and then you don't, you're not sober-minded and you're not sober-minded, you can't make good, sensible choices. So that's the work of the enemy that we just uh, here recently talked about the battles is all the stuff that the enemy is feeding you in that uh, spiritual form that is first it's the soda and then that soda then we need to add the poison to it we need to add that alcohol to it and then you're not able to function the way that your your body's intended to function and then you make choices in that condition well the alcohol made me do it no you chose to drink the alcohol, and therefore, the responsibility is yours. It'd be like getting a, a DUI and then trying to sue one of the big beer companies because you got a DUI. Well, it was the beer that made me do it. No, the beer was a contributing factor, but... You didn't just fall into a vat of beer and ingest it because you you couldn't get to the surface. No, you you drank it, and you drank to excess, and you chose to drive. But that's what happens is in an impaired state of mind, you choose to do something, and then you try to blame somebody else, and many people do it in uh, faith circles. They get drunk on 
this aspect of accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, but then they choose to sin continually in the process. Well, the devil made me do it. You know, well, why did you do that? Well, Sean, he, he attacked me and he forced me to. Now, if you, if choice is involved, then you either choose a good choice or a bad choice, and you can't blame somebody else. Sean, I'll turn it over to you and see what your thoughts are on this right now. Thank you. Morning to you, Phil. Yeah, I got a lot of thoughts on this. Had a scripture go through my mind and actually had something um, in the word of God that made me think about this. And one of the scriptures that just has been on my mind, and we've been talking about it recently, is draw near to God and they will draw near to you. And even was meditating this morning and you had mentioned the the fire. <clears throat> and the word of God says that Yah is a consuming fire. Well, what do you do if you're out in the woods and it's cold and you build a fire? What do you need to do to get warm? Well, you've got to draw near to the fire. The fire is going to be burning anyway once it's set. Like Yah is eternal. They're burning. Like they're a consuming fire that's just continually burning, just like if you had a large bonfire, something like that. It's it's continually burning and getting hotter and hotter. So if you want to benefit from the warmth of the fire, then you've got to draw near to the fire. If you don't get closer to God and you go to yourself, then you get further and further away and it gets colder and colder. Not because Yah is just physically moving away, but you're just moving further away yourself from the fire that's already there. And it made me think of uh, the choices that the word says that don't be deceived because if you're thinking this way, you're being deceived that Yah cannot be mocked. You can't, now you can attempt to mock them, but it's going to be to no avail because they're going to put it right back on you and say, this happened because of your choice. And I had a, a scripture come to mind to where I wasn't questioning that, but it was just like, well, what about this scripture? Because with Pharaoh, it said that Yah hardened Pharaoh's heart. And then all of a sudden it clicked in my mind. Yeah, but Pharaoh hardened his heart towards God by what he was doing. So therefore, Yah hardened his heart. It wasn't because my thought went to, well, he didn't have a choice, but Pharaoh did have a choice. He could have changed his mind and relented and let the people go, but he didn't. And because he had hardened his heart towards God, then God hardened his heart. So it made me think, wow, so there, you know, you could think, well, Pharaoh, well, I had no choice, y'all, because you hardened my heart. Yeah, but didn't you harden your heart because you didn't listen to what I asked you to do and you didn't heed to it, you didn't fear me. So therefore, because you hardened your heart, I harden yours. And I was like, wow, the justice of Yah. Because I had thought about that scripture a few times. I'm like, well, what choice do you have if Yah hardens somebody's heart? You can't do anything about it. But that person could do something about it. Because we got to be careful to take it to where, well, Pharaoh had no choice because, you know, if God hardens your heart, then 
there's nothing you can do. Yeah, but there's a reason that Yah would harden somebody's heart. And there's a reason that Yah would soften somebody's heart. But Yah still will give the, the person still has choice in it because are we going to really sit here and say that Pharaoh had no choice to where he was physically unable to relent and let the people go? No, but it was because of his programming and his pride that he hardened his heart. And then therefore Yah used that. And with the choice, because I remember we talked about this a few times that, well, what do you do about the person that's in the jungle? Doesn't have the Bible, doesn't have any of that stuff. Well, how is it fair if that person doesn't come to salvation? And it's interesting because of the scripture that you brought out about uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch reading out of Isaiah. Well, Yah knows what the person has and doesn't have. So you're out and you're this group of people that let's say you're on an island out in the middle of whatever country and there's 10 people that, well, we got to take the Bible to them because if we don't, then no, they have the creation of God around them and they have choices to look at that creation because Yah's existence is made clear through their creation, their invisible qualities, their justice, their fairness. So those people will look out and if they don't find salvation, it's not on God because how did Abraham find God? There was no Bible printed. There were no scriptures of Isaiah or Jeremiah printed that he's reading. What did he do? He sought Yah with all of his heart, just like anybody has the choice to do that. How would Abraham know that God exists through the creation? So mankind is without excuse because in the word it says that Yah's invisible qualities have been made known through creation so that mankind is without excuse because if there was no creation, then there would be no evidence of Yah, then therefore there would be an excuse because, well, there was no evidence. I didn't know you existed. Well, you know what? You're right about that. There was no evidence. So therefore you're okay. But no, this puts it back in mankind's hands. And there's a where I used to work that I would look around. I got a kick out of seeing signage that people would have on their, their desks. And this is one that stood out to me. I'm having a great day. Don't ruin it. Well, so it's not my, if I'm having a bad day, it wasn't my choice. It was because you did this to me is why I'm having a bad day. No, the ultimate thing is that person could bring something to you that would make it more difficult or less difficult, but really it's in your hands that if you want to have a good day or a bad day, the only one that can really ruin it is you because you allow your mind to go in a certain direction to choose to let that affect you or not let it affect you. So in essence, nobody can ruin your day. They can bring things to you that give you a choice. But ultimately that choice is in your hands. You cannot look at somebody and say, because you did this, then that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Now you could say, yeah, you did this, but I'm choosing to turn the other cheek. I'm choosing to let it go. I'm choosing to, you know what? I have faith in Yah, and I'm not going to let you doing this thing affect me. So that's my choice. You know, to where we had talked about this, that let's just say I bring you water. And you say, well, I don't have a choice. I don't have any other option. Well, you don't have an option other than you can either drink or not drink. 
But for you to really have a choice, there has to be two of something. Like for me to, if I want Coke or Pepsi, I don't have a choice of Coke or Pepsi unless there's Coke and Pepsi. So in order for choice to be there, you got to have more than one option. But in the aspect of making a choice that, you know, you have that in within your free will given by God. And God did that because ultimately what they want, what they desire is they want people to come to them because that's what they want to do. But that's by choice. If they forced us, then how is I going to be pleasing if I force you to want to be with me? Well, that's not pleasing. What would be better would be that you're given a choice and you choose me over the other. Well, yeah, that really proves to me that you really want me because you're choosing me over the other. So this is just such a, a beautiful truth of Yah that if you want peace in your life, that peace is based on the decisions that you make and the choices you make, not what anybody else does. But what happens is, is we get caught up in what other people do and get mad at them because it's affecting our choices instead of let's focus on ourselves and the choices that we make and let that affect our lives, not what anybody else does. Because if you're pointing the finger at somebody else, you're looking at getting the spotlight put on them so that you don't have to deal with your choices that you make. But, and we said this on a recent podcast that at the great white throne judgment, when people are before Yeshua and they say, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name? And they'll say, get away from me. I never knew you. Well, the reason that he says that is because it was your choice to continue to practice lawlessness versus the choice of, no, I'm not going to practice lawlessness anymore. I'm going to practice righteousness, and that's what I'm going to do and continue on that journey. Okay, well, if you do that because of that choice, then the consequence will be you'll enter into the kingdom of heaven. And in the Old Testament, Yah made this statement, I set before you this day blessings and curses, but choose life. But Yah didn't say, I'm choosing life for you. Yah says, you make the decision. I'm setting before you blessings and curses, but you, what's better for you and what's beneficial is for you to choose life. So choose life because it'll go better for you. But if you don't, I'm not going to force you to choose life. It's just going to be, here's the consequences for obedience. Here's the consequences for disobedience. I'm letting you know ahead of time. So if you fall into one of these sides, you can't blame me because it's your choice because I put it out before you. Just like, you know, you mentioned being a kid that you sit at the table and, and you get put out in front of you broccoli or peach cobbler. Well, that's part of the meal, but all right, well, what's more beneficial is for you to get the vegetables. But you choose the other and your parents get mad because, well, you need to choose the other. Yeah, but you put out before me, you know, I have the opportunity to choose, but whatever you choose, there's going to be consequences. That's why we can't get away from cause and effect. That cause and effect is a law that is not going to be changed. So if you choose one thing, there will be an effect, just like the secondhand smoke. You didn't choose to smoke, but somebody around you did. And there's an effect that unless you're wearing a mask or something, you're going to be breathing that smoke in. So the choices that we make have consequences all around. 
So it's one of those things that if you want to change your life and your circumstances, then you've got to change the choices that you make. You, you Because in order for an effect to change, a cause has to change. So the choice is the cause and the effect is going to be, you know, whatever comes after that, whatever succeeds that. And I even thought about us this morning that we have a choice to start this podcast at six in the morning. But if we chose, no, we're going to start it at 615, then well, that's not going to have an effect on anything. Well, sure it will, because if there's people that are, you know, waiting with their phone, waiting for it to start and all right, well, they're not on. All right, well, I'll turn that off and I'll do something else. And then that changes something that they're doing. And, you know, it just keeps on and on and on with the effects of things. But it would affect a lot of things because then y'all would say, okay, well, you know, you all committed to doing this at six. Why are you not starting at six? Why are you? And then that's going to keep a start a direction. So this is a huge thing. And the most important thing is that this is a way to help everybody to stop holding themselves back from moving in faith. It's not about other people. It's about you that the choices that you make are affecting everything that you do in the lives of other people around you. So if you want to see a change in things around you, then stop looking at other people for them to change and make them make different choices. But you work on yourself and make different choices to give them the best example, to see the righteous life, the holy living. And then by doing that, that's the best way that you can reach people is you change yourself and quit pointing the finger at getting everybody else to make different choices because the only choices they're going to change are the ones that they really want to change. So each person is going to stand before the judgment seat of, of Yah. So, and you're going to have to answer for your choices. So stop attempting to make other people change their mind. And you change your mind by doing what is right. Because with Cain, Yah wasn't saying, Cain, don't worry about what you're doing. I'm just focusing on other people. He said, Cain, if you do what is right, if you make the choice to do what is right, then you will be accepted. But if you don't do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must master it. But if you choose not to master it, then sin will master you and then you'll end up in death. So different consequences for Cain versus Abel. And for anybody else. So what Yah is saying is, is that stop looking at other people and what they're doing and look at your choices and you make a change in your life because you're the one that's going to have to answer to me, not, well, other people will, but you're the one that answers for you. You're not going to answer for everybody else. You're going to answer for you. Well, and a lot of times people don't understand that a choice you make today you may not have the effect of that choice until years down the road. And by that time, you haven't even recognized to be able to tie the choice that you made now to the situation that happens two years down the road. And it goes along with the cause and effect perspective that you were talking about. Um, because one might argue with Pharaoh, well, God hardened his heart. How, how fair is that? And, you know, well, God hardened, God hardens people hearts. We know that God does that, but God hardening somebody's heart is an effect of a cause. If Pharaoh had been seeking God with all of his heart, 
and desiring to know the one true God, then God would, God would have used somebody else to do that. So his choice not to have the connection to God is what set him up to not have a choice when it came to his heart being hardened. But the choice came prior to that second uh, aspect because it's, it ties to the first choice of making it because we know that the word of God says that God wishes that none would perish. Okay, so even with Pharaoh, God would have wished that even Pharaoh wouldn't perish, but Pharaoh had made the choice to reject the things of God and follow uh, worthless idols and um, the, the gods that they followed, and therefore he set himself up for God to use him for God's purposes. And so if he hadn't made that choice in the beginning, if he made the choice to seek God with all of his heart, then he wouldn't have had to been used. And, you know, because somebody might say, well, what about uh, um, Judas, who, you know, he was destined for this? Well, yeah, he was destined. He was chosen by God. God chose Judas because he saw his heart. He saw the decisions and the choices that he had made and those choices that he made uh, early on that weren't being addressed came back to haunt him in the end. And so the choices he made earlier on caused him to have a separation from God. And then after he was gone and Messiah had moved on to into the kingdom, then they chose somebody else to take his place. And Judas is not going to be in the kingdom of God, but he's not going to be there because of the choices he made. You know, people want to blame God because, well, he didn't, he didn't have a choice. He, he was destined for that. You know, his choices in his life are what made him destined for that. Why, why was not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, why were not any of them chosen for that spot? Because they chose to follow Messiah and to believe in him, and therefore that set them up so that they didn't have to have that consequence. But even Peter, Peter's consequence uh, for the choice to deny Messiah when he was told, you're, you're going to, this is the choice you're going to make. Oh, certainly not me. I'll, I'll, go, I'll die with you. Okay. And then three times he chose to, de to deny Messiah. He still had a choice. But he chose, why? Because he didn't have the fullness of faith. He believed in Messiah, but he had not yet received mother within him, the spirit. So he was not capable. So there's just so many things when we look at this that your choice that you make today 
will affect your future and you don't even see it. And then the future comes and you wonder why all this stuff is happening because of the choices you made. We can see it with Israel. How many times they made choices to reject what God was telling them or what God had told them, and they turned to idols and uh, did things that, that weren't appropriate before God. And then later on down the road, because God prophesied that when you do these things, that I'm going to send an army on you. And these great horrific things happen to these people. And, oh my gosh, it's such a bad thing. And I don't understand why that would happen. And why would God, God didn't do it. Their choices. God had already told them ahead of time with warning. This is what's going to happen. If, if you wander from my ways, then I have to do these things. So make the choice not to wander from my ways. Well, they wandered from his ways and nothing happened immediately. And so they keep wandering from his ways until all of a sudden you have an army from the north that comes down on them trying to uh, annihilate them. And all of a sudden, you know, it's God's problem or it's the army coming after them's problem. Well, it is the army coming after them. Uh, God's using somebody, ungodly people for a godly purpose, and they'll have to answer for it because they chose not to seek God. And if they were seeking God with all of your heart, heart, certainly not, Lord. I'm not coming against your anointed people, just like with David when the um, the young man ran up to him that had uh, run his spear or his sword through Saul, King Saul, and then David had him put to death because you, you had no fear of the anointed of God, and so you, you have to die. Well, that was a choice that he made because he could have let Saul sit there and uh, perish without him running the sword through and then take a report back to David and say, hey, this is what happened. Um, he's dead. But his uh, the cause was that he, on King Saul's request, ran his sword through him, but that was the anointed of God. And uh, so any nation that comes against God's people and that is the Israel of God, which is the Israel of God is those who are circumcised in heart, not in flesh, and they're not of a specific earthly nation, but they're the nation of God, that you came against the anointed of God, and yes, God used you for that purpose, but you chose to go against the anointed of God. So now you have to pay the price for that. And so the, the key factor in it is don't be very careful that your challenges, that you don't find yourself challenging God. And one of the 
with the disciples uh, or the apostles when after Messiah had gone, uh, one of the high priests told the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, be careful what choice you make here because, you know, all these other people came and they were professing this and they were professing that and uh, they had 400 men with them and then it came to nothing and, you know, they were, they died and they were put to death. Be careful what choice you make because you might find that if these men are of God, that you cannot stop it and you will find yourself fighting against God. That was pretty wise words from uh, that high priest at that time. Be careful what choices you make. You know, we hear songs like uh, the Casting Crowns song of a slow fade, but we don't, if we don't put that to our life and to our uh, faith, then we're defeated by the enemy. We lose the battle because that's how the enemy works over programming the uh, brainwashing and mind control that the enemy's been putting this in place ever since he fell and was removed from the kingdom of God. And so he's been meticulously, repetitiously, continuing to change and get people to accept things that aren't true and you have to really evaluate the decisions and the choices you make today because they will affect you tomorrow or five years down the road and when five years comes because five years is a long time sometimes a day is a long time you don't remember the choice that you made back then that affects you now. I've had things where we've, we've talked about how you, we have to shake the subconscious and rend the past. We have to dig into our subconscious and dig into our past to figure this very reason out. You know, me standing on the street at uh, five, six years old, waiting for my ride, waiting to be picked up from kindergarten and no ride no ride everybody else is picked up and i'm standing out there by myself you know there was a, a teacher that was still out there but and then we had to go back inside and make a phone call well something happened and the ride uh, couldn't make it but as a little child i mean you don't realize how much stuff affects you and what choices you make as a child. And that started me on a path of uh, self-preservation. And I didn't say it until, you know, 40, 40, 50 years later of realizing that that had started me on a path. So what I had to do was go back in my mind, return to that moment and reason in that moment that 
this wasn't an intentional act and things like this are going to happen in your life. So I take that moment there that I carried for 50 years and I change that moment now at 50 and then, you know, cause I'm 58 now. So for eight years, I've had the opportunity to work less in self-preservation. And then when you catch that back at that age, then you can start seeing through your life where people did things and said things that set you, that just solidified that that much more and, you know, have an attitude and you don't care about what other people think. And well, I'm going to tell you the truth, what my perception of the truth was at the time, I'm going to tell you the truth. And if it hurts your feelings too bad, that that's your problem, not mine, but being able to, dig into your subconscious and this is something that's really necessary with God to be able to point out but I can remember when I when I looked into this it was so clear I mean I could I, I could feel what I was feeling in that moment that happened 50 years prior and realizing that well, this is the way I felt because you're a little kid. You don't, you know, you, you don't know that you don't know at that point. So you're trying to figure it out and you make choices based in the mind of a five or six year old child that, well, sometimes you can get it right, but other times you don't realize that you're just doing it to preserve yourself. And then every time somebody attacks you or you feel like somebody's left you alone, then you just lock in the self-preservation and I got to take care of myself and make sure. And that's why I got into a time where I had, uh, I, I, I didn't have a very good attitude towards other people. Now, people that, that agreed with me and we got along that we, there weren't any issues, but there were a lot of issues along the way. And I've been able to change my life because of returning to that moment, and I've returned to many moments in my life, digging into the subconscious and looking into the past, not so I can change the past, because I can't change what happened in those 50 years, but I can go through those 50 years and use each circumstance and each situation to change who I am today and who I will be tomorrow and forward. And that was a necessary thing for me from a faith perspective was to stop doing self-preservation. I, I really needed to learn how to have God preservation, enter into that strong tower of God, and then your life will be preserved. God will take care of you. Somebody may be able to physically take your life, but they can't touch you spiritually when you are in the strong tower of God and you are living in accordance with that. And so uh, just when you brought out that thing about Pharaoh, because people will question things like that and try to put the blame on God, and that's not right and that's not fair, but the reality is is that 
the choices you make, just like Jonah. Jonah chose to uh, disobey God or to fight against God. And then when the nice vine grew up over top of him to give him shade, uh, and he was had a nice little shelter, and then God made it wither. Is that God's problem? No, because Jonah, you wouldn't even be here. You would be on your way to Nineveh to have a heart that that mercy needs to be shown to these people, and so you would have avoided that situation. You would have avoided having to go into the belly of a whale if you would have repented and you would have obeyed God from the beginning instead of rejecting God. Now, because of his heart, God used that situation of Jonah being in the belly of the whale for three days as a representation of Messiah being in the uh, earth, uh, in the grave for three days, um, so God will use those things, but God is not to blame on anything. Choose God, and you choose to be blameless. You cannot blame God, and just like you said, Sean, God cannot be mocked. So what we're saying, whether you see it in this life or you see it at the final judgment, you're going to know that it was your choice that got you there. And that is the aspect of burning in the abyss that people are going to have. It's going to be the, because they're going to have their mind with them and they're going to know when they stand at the white throne judgment. Well, when you die in this world, you know, then when you stand in the white throne judgment, you're going to know it was my choices that put me here. And you have to live eternally knowing that it's your choices that put you where you are, that you could have made a different choice and not had to deal with this torment and this, uh, this uh, burning sensation, which is going to just be continual always and so choice is huge when we look at it and with that aspect of pharaoh the cause was that he did not seek after god with all of his heart prior to this situation and the effect was okay i'm going to use you for my purpose and so god's not to blame for that you know and at that point, it's up to God. He can use, I. Uh, he can use the the things that are made for noble tasks or ignoble tasks. That it's up to him. But God's not going to use you for an ignoble task if you are seeking them with all of your heart, seeking to be fully obedient to them. It's an absolute. And so it's just really uh, just interesting as you brought up that, 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 that with the thoughts that came to mind. Well, I'll have at times different scriptures like that to um, just to show that getting away from leaning on your own understanding, because somebody could look at that and say, well, there's a contradiction. 
And we've said this before, that in the word of God, there are no contradictions. Now, the Bible is written by mankind, so it's a translation. So there can be errors in there, but the word of God, there is no contradiction. And going to piggyback off of what you'd said about the brainwashing and the mind control, because this is another piece of the psychology of the mind. And in the past, we spent a lot of time with this and, and Yah is impressing this, that we've said this, that you're where you are because of the choices that you've made and you can't change the consequences of those choices, but you can look at your past decisions and you can use those and then change your future because the future um, would, would be, you know, what is coming isn't actually reality yet. And this can, if you could let your mind get overwhelmed with this, well, I need to change everything right this second. No, just make decisions that are godly and do what is right. And then as each choice comes that you do what is right, well, that that's where that's the best place you can be. And then as you go and you seek with all your heart, Yah will and has will and does have the ability to reveal things to show you so that you can change something for the future. But this is just one of the, just another aspect of the brainwashing and mind control that you look at the world that we're living in right now and how many people come out and actually say, the reason this is happening and the reason I'm doing this is because of my choices and I'm going to stop blaming other people for it. And I'm going to evaluate my choices before I make decisions. You don't see a lot of that. You see it's this person's fault and it's because of this. And if you hadn't have done this, then we wouldn't be here. And if you hadn't have done this, we wouldn't have been here. But yeah, I was saying to those listening now and those in the future and even to us as well, People are going to do what they do, but they will be judged, and so will you. So you evaluate yourself. Make sure that you're doing what is right, because when you do what is right, you'll be accepted. And I've laid this all out in my word that whatever decision you make is on you. So choose the right path. And this even came to mind as we were starting with the jingle that we have that it makes it clear about choices. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, if you do these things, then you'll find the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. But if you don't make the choice to cry out for insight, call out for understanding, all the things that it says, then why well, don't I understand why you didn't give it to me? Okay, we'll go back to Proverbs. Did you go through all these steps? Did you do that? Okay, so whose fault is it? It's not my fault. It's yours because... I've already told you that if you seek for me, you'll find me when you seek with all your heart. Well, I didn't find you. Okay, so whose fault is it? Well, you didn't. No, because I said if you seek with all your heart, you'll find me. And if you didn't find me, then you didn't seek with all your heart. But what happens is because of the programming or program that if something goes wrong or something doesn't go your way, it's not your fault. It's somebody else's fault. And what Yah is saying is, is that if something isn't going your way or you don't like something, it's your fault. So this is just another way to change and to be washed with water through the word that if you want peace in your life, then look at the choices that you've made or the choices that you haven't made and go from there. And then 
you won't be f- so focused on everybody else because isn't it true that you focus on everybody else because you don't want to evaluate your choices. You want everybody else to change, you know, to where people will look at others and say, you know, I'm waiting on the world to change. There's a song we listen to that we're just here waiting. We're waiting on the world to change. Well, you wait on the world to change. Then don't blame the world when things aren't getting better. Blame yourself. Because if you're waiting on the world to change for anything to change for the better for you, then you're going to be waiting a long time because if it's just like the song in the world that I'm going to make a change for once in my life, it's going to feel real good, but you have to make the change. You know, change just doesn't change itself. You, you have to, if you want change to be made, you have to change something, you know, cause change just doesn't automatically, yeah, just the change comes and you don't do anything. So this is just a, um, just a beautiful way that people that, will come against this, this truth of God. But why do they do it? Because the programming is, is that you're making me feel bad and I don't like it. So you've got to be wrong instead of, you know what? Maybe I am wrong in this. Maybe I've made the wrong choice. Why, why don't I listen to this and really evaluate it? Because I may be wrong here. And then if that's the case, I've got a choice to make. Instead of blaming somebody else for your choices and your consequences, Stop the the finger point of blaming somebody else because ultimately it's not going to make anything better for you. It really makes it worse for you because you're waiting on somebody else to change for you to change. That really tells me that you didn't want to change because you didn't do anything about it. You're, you're just, but it's, it's so much easier to blame somebody else instead of really digging in yourself and wow, at six years old, I had no idea that this affected me so much. Well, Think about all the things going on in the world. Think about all the trauma that each individual has that's affecting them even to this moment that unless directed by God, you don't have any real way to change anybody. The only way somebody can change is for them to change within. So I'm just seeing this as just a, another aspect of learning about the mind that stop looking at other people and blaming them because that's going to bring more chaos. Look to destroy the chaos within yourself by evaluating your choices and make sure that they line up with godly things. And then therefore you won't be concerned about other people. Not, not that you won't have concern for other people, but you won't be concerned about what they're actually doing because you're more concerned about being, um, what the scripture says that, what indignation, what longing, what alarm, you know, you've cleared yourself in every point. Well, have the indignation, longing, and alarm for your choices and yourself and make sure that you're doing what is right before God. And then that's where your peace will come. Your, your, your peace will not come by other people making different decisions. Your peace will come by the decisions that you make and doing what is right. Yeah. And With the aspect of psychology of choice, you have to be able to, well, one, you have to want what is right, and then you have to make changes necessary. You have to be able to dig in to see where you've been programmed, where you've been brainwashed and mind-controlled, 
and this is what we're talking about is an aspect is not an aspect of getting rid of brainwashing and mind control. It's a matter of using brainwashing and mind control from the right perspective so that you know what's going in and you make sure that it's right and it's appropriate going in so that you will, because you will act on what you put in your programming. It's like a computer's not going to do anything that it hasn't been programmed to do. That's just the fact of it. It has to be programmed to do it or it won't do it. It doesn't matter how much you want the computer to do it. It's not going to do it. And so the mind is the same thing that unless you program something into the mind, it's not going to happen. You can say, well, I want to quit smoking. I want to quit smoking. That's not programming into the mind. First, you have to set, I'm going to quit smoking. And then you have to go through the process of programming that, which is repetitious. Every time you pick up a cigarette, no, I don't want this. I'm not, I don't like this anymore. I'm not doing it. And, you know, I use a cigarette, but it pertains to anything. It pertains to decisions you made as a young child, decisions you made as a uh, teenager, decisions you made as a young adult, decisions that you might even have made yesterday. Uh, it's the same concept that there's a reason that the word of God says, take every thought captive and make it submissive to Messiah. And the reason is, is because God knows what type of control your choices will bring. And so if you make a choice based on what's right according to God and according to Messiah, not according to what you've been taught by other people, but truly by God, then you will make right choices and you will be able to correct things. But it's it's hugely important. And it's not an easy thing uh, digging into your subconscious. And sometimes it's not a pleasant thing at the time. Now, it may not be pleasant at the time because you have to revisit a tragedy or a trauma in your life. And you didn't like the way it felt, which put you on this journey to where you are now anyway. But you have to face it in order to make changes necessary in your life in order to have your life improve and you get away from those things, for you to get away from uh, worry and anxiety and panic attacks and depression, uh, you have to go through the process of figuring out what choices you made that put you in this position and what choice can you make that will help you. And the greatest choice you can make is to make sure you're in the strong tower of God, where God is the one doing your preservation. You don't have to worry about what other people think about you uh, because God's, God's got it and it's in their hands. But this is no easy task to, when we say dig into the subconscious, because it does put you in a place where you have to face things that your mind has spent its whole life trying to forget about, trying to avoid, trying to uh, act like it never happened. 
and the acting like it never happened just keeps you in that state of flux where if you want change, you've got to go back and you have to face those demons. You have to face those trials and those uh, tragedies that happen. But if you don't recognize because your mind has blocked off, you have to start tearing down walls in order to be able to see what it is that affected you and how it affected you. And the greatest way to do that is turn your life completely over to God and then ask them to help you in the process. And I promise you, they'll take you back to a place where it's so vivid that you could even uh, almost smell the smells and hear the, the sounds that were going on in that moment. Why? Because it's in your mind. You knew what was going on, but what you did with it was you did it for self-preservation and we want to make our mindset and our choices based in what's right and appropriate. And this is uh, one of the greatest reasons that God says, lean not on your own understanding because your understanding, your programming will deceive you every single time. If that's what you're leaning on, lean on the truth of God, lean on the understanding of God, make your choices based in what is right, fair, and just, and true with God. You know, stop drinking the sodas and eating the candy of the world and drink the milk and honey that God has. You know, the land flowing with milk and honey, uh, the milk is a representation of that what is nourishing to you. Uh, and the honey is the sweetness of it, but it's not a sweetness. If you eat honey compared to like regular sugar, the honey is not as sweet as the regular sugar. So it, it, it's got a sweetness to it, but it's not overbearing and it's not, uh, not necessarily addictive because of the, uh, the amount of sweet that's in it. It's kind of like it's a good balance, but we've gone way beyond uh, that taste of honey in all the, you know, the candy bars and you, you bite into a candy bar and then take a spoonful of honey and see what the difference is. And it's a huge difference. You know, you don't uh, fresh honey, you don't add sugar to it and it tastes good, but what do you want? Do you want the good taste and that what's good for you? Or do you want that thing that's going to get you addicted to it? And, you know, it could be medication. It could be alcohol. There's, I mean, it could be thoughts. It could be your own self-preservation, your medication. But it's a necessary thing. If you're going to be able to live the best functional life that you can is for you to have faith in God and then for you to be asking them continually, help me to see what it is from my past that is affecting me today so that I can remove it so that it doesn't affect me tomorrow. It doesn't affect. And again, <clears throat> it's, it's going to affect you tomorrow, <clears throat> but you're going to get that increase and you start the programming process so that a year from now, 
you will be much farther along in the process and you'll be removing, you know, I had issues uh, in the past of worry and anxiety and uh, panic attacks. I, I wouldn't say that I've visited the place of depression so much, um, but that worry and a anxiety, uh, so much better now because of the faith in God and the ability that God gives you to be able to see these things, to, for God to be able to show you the psychology of the mind and how it works and what is the best way to be able to handle these things. And we're not psychologists in the world. We haven't studied that in the world, but we have psychology of God, and God is the one who formed this being as to who we are. They know better than we, and they know better than <clears throat> the psychologist and the psychiatrist out there that if you want to be able to escape the things of the world, it can only be done through faith in God, and you have to make that choice. If you don't make that choice, then that's the cause that brings the effect of worry and anxiety and panic attacks and depression and can't blame that on anybody else but yourself. And I'll say this, that worry, anxiety, and depression come from a separation from God. If you're feeling down, uh, and you can even have this in circumcision of the heart where you're, you're feeling uh, just in a slump or whatever, well, do an evaluation. Have I been spending the time with God that helps me to not feel like this? Have I been doing uh, my part in drawing near to them so that they'll draw near to me? Because if I start drawing back from them in conversation, then they'll start drawing back in conversation because in the way you draw near to them, they will draw near to you. And so you're driving this. And if you want something to change, then you have to make a choice and you have to follow through with that choice. If you're not hearing the voice of God, then more than likely the God's not hearing your voice or I'm really distant now. I feel distant. Well, have you, can you do the evaluation? Have you distanced yourself from them? not with intention, but just circumstances, situations, get caught up in the world, it happens, and those things start to creep in, the worry and anxiousness. <clears throat> well, you can avoid that by drawing nearer to God. It's your choice. When you feel something's not right in your life, figure it out and make a different choice and then work through it and be diligent with it and consistent, and you will see that it will make a difference in your life. Something that you had said stuck out to me, going to bring this out, that with making a choice that you said that, you know, I want to do this like I want to quit smoking. And then you change it to I'm going to quit smoking and what it made me think of is that it's not that when you say that I'm going to do something, that's the future. 
even if the future is two seconds from now, like I'm going to go to the bathroom and then I get up and then I start to go and it's the future until I get to the bathroom and then it's, it's done. And then I go on to something else. And what it made me think of was that like, if I say this, I'm going to go on a trip, I'm going to go on a cruise. Well, that mindset is different than, well, I want to go on a cruise. Well, you're just making a statement, but when you say I'm going to go on a cruise, if you really are, if that's really your mindset and that it's going to happen, then you get out the internet, you get out your phone. Well, let's look up Carnival, Royal Caribbean, and just using that as an example, you know, a travel agency, if I want to fly somewhere. And what it made me think of is it's just like the making choices like that is setting a goal that the goal is in the future that you set a goal, which means you set out on a course to get to the future destination. So with anything, like you say, I'm going to do this. So you're laying out the path, but then you've got to start the going part of it. Like I'm going to listen to the podcast at 6am when they have it live. Okay. Well then that means you've got to do something. You have to turn on the computer, turn on your phone, whatever to engage in it. And and just thinking about it for myself that like when you, yes, you, you say that you're going to do something, but then you start the process of doing it. And, and that's the thing is that with, to see anything change that it's got a, yes, it starts in your mind as a want, but then in order to get anything to change, it's got to change to that you're going to do it. And it may take you a while to do it, or it may take a short time, but start the process, the journey of it. And in setting that in your mind and that it's not going to change, like I'm going to seek God with all my heart. Well, that means is that uh, I haven't found God yet. So I'm going to start the journey. And then you start with one step, then the next step, then the next step. Um, But it just made me think of like with the choices that we make, that in order to change and do something different, you've got to stop doing what you've done before and start doing something different. Like if you say, I want to get up early, well, then you've got to stop getting up late and start getting like you have to end something and start something else. So creating something different. And what Yah is telling us is that, that if you want to change anything, then it's got to start with the choice first. And then the actions come from that choice to where if you don't make a decision to change something, then nothing's going to change. And it just made me think of like with the, what you said about drawing near to God and and they draw near to you that it'd be like if you and I are sitting here face to face, but then I go outside and you're standing a half a mile away. I can still see a figure of you, but I can't really make out. It looks like you, but until I get closer, Oh, okay. All right. I see that it is you, you know, to where the, the more distant you become, then it's going to be, it's just going to take more, more time to get closer. So it just made me think of that fire that if you want to be hot in faith, then stay close to the fire because Messiah said that the love of most will grow cold. Well, why does it grow cold? Because they get away from truly what love is and it grows cold. Just like I was drinking coffee this morning. And that's how I had this thought of uh, staying near to God as a consuming fire because I made that coffee and I was sipping on it. And it was nice and hot. But as time went by that it grew less hot and less hot because it was away from the source of the heat. Now I could take it back to the microwave and heat it up and I'm bringing heat to it. I'm, I'm giving it a source of heat and then it's hot again. But it just made me think of staying close to God is that you stay 
hot and you stay closer to God, they stay closer to you, then that, that fire keeps going. But the further you get away, it's going to feel cold or distant because of, not because of Yah, because of God, it's because of you that, Hey, I'm a consuming fire. I'm not going to burn out. So if you stay close to this fire and you'll continue to be warm and that'll help you. But if you go away from it, it's not that I've gone away. It's that you've gone away. And that's a, a beautiful analogy of how you, because we will in this faith journey, we will, I uh, have some avenues of adrift. The objective goal is, is to recognize, like you said, you recognize when your coffee's getting uh, cool and then you go back and you reheat it. And then when it starts to get cool again, then go back and reheat it. And that's a key factor. Notice when you're getting cool with God, when, when things are seeming to cool off where there's a distance or there's something and use that as an avenue to draw near to God, draw near to the fire, get into that place where it's necessary for you to stay warm. And it, part of the, the uh, brainwashing and mind control is that you recognize that the fire is good, the fire keeps you warm, uh, but you have to be able to recognize when you start to get cold because if you just slowly, gradually move away from the fire, you're going to slowly, gradually get cold, and eventually you're going to be sitting there shivering. And well, we don't want to get to that point. We want to get to the point where, yeah, at the beginning, we move away from the fire. You get to the point of shivering, and then each time you find that when you drift back a little bit, that you recognize that no, I want to be close to the fire, so I'm going to move close to the fire. And it's interesting because I. Uh, this aspect of draw near to God and they will draw near to you uh, ties to us as well. And <clears throat> just a circumstance, we went out to dinner last night with my wife and we were getting ready to go into the restaurant. And she asked me if I was going to take my phone in and I, I wasn't planning on taking my phone in. And she said, well, if you're not taking your phone in, I'm not taking mine in. And just a, uh, tiny little thing of how you draw near, you know, I drew near from, no, I'm not going to take my phone. We can have conversation. Uh, that wasn't the verbal words. It was, I'm not taking, I know I'm not taking my phone in, but the thing is as well, if you're not taking your phone, I'm not, I won't, I won't take mine. So by me drawing near from that perspective of not having my phone, she drew near by not bringing her phone. And then that gave us the ability to sit there and have a conversation. And that's just a real life perspective of what God's wanting is put the phone down, you know, and this is something recent for me is we make excuses as to why we do more and more stuff on the phone rather than I can use the phone, but I'm going to use it to listen to scripture more, you know, and I uh, just to, to draw near, nearer to God, 
And this is a continual journey in the faith that from the time you decide to seek God with all of your heart, you're on a continual journey of drawing nearer and nearer and nearer and nearer to God. And in the process, you're going to have those times, just like with the psychology of the mind, where you start getting drawn back into whatever it is in your mind that that's holding you. And then you have to catch it and say, no, I'm, I'm not going there. Uh, I'm, I made a decision. I don't want that. I'm not doing that. And that is a big key factor because you can, you can try to do things and you can want to do things and you can want to do things so bad, but without the actual going to nothing gets done. There has to be a decision that I don't know exactly how this is going to work and I don't know exactly what it's going to entail, but I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to overcome whatever this is. I'm going to have this faith in God. And, you know, a statement somebody made, I'm going to have, I'm, I'm going to have circumcision of the heart. Well, are you still listening to the podcast? That would be a good question. Uh, because you can, it's the, the programming you have in you has a much greater draw than that when is from the outside. And that's why you tend to draw back into the self. And this is why we say you have to be looking for it. You have to be digging. You have to be making sure that when you start seeing something and something in your life, you don't like what it feels like, or you don't like what it is, then you have to change your psychological condition in order for that to change. Otherwise, you're going to continue to live in insanity where you keep the same things keep happening over and over again, and you can't get away from it because you don't do something different. You have to do something different to make a change. I don't care if you do uh, a thousand things different, 10,000 things different. You keep going until you figure out what it is. You know, and again, Edison with the light bulb was a good example of that. 2,000 plus times of trying to make the light bulb and make it work, but he never quit. He was going to figure it out, and because of that, he did. He didn't quit at 2001, and then it happened at 2002, and, but he, did, he quit at 2001, so we don't have light bulbs. No, no, he, he was going to figure it out, and that's the mindset. People who achieve things achieve them because their mindset is that's what they're going to do, even if your achievement is worry, anxiety, and depression, that you don't recognize that that's what you're trying to achieve because somehow it gives you a sense of comfort or a sense of control that you within yourself don't have anyway. And so it's just uh, huge when we look at the psychology of things that your mind is a whole lot bigger, a whole lot greater then you have any, any understanding about it. And you have the ability within your own mind by applying what's necessary to change any condition 
that you have from a mental, emotional, spiritual condition. That, that, that's a fact of it, even physical in your life to change things. You know, well, I've been weighing 225 pounds for the last, you know, five years now. And I want to be, I want to be lighter. I want to, well, that's not going to do it. I'm going to have to put forth the effort to exercise more, to eat better. That's not a guarantee. Because, again, I don't really necessarily focus on weight. I focus on how I feel. Do I feel good? Do I feel healthy? You know, am I eating for health? I would say most of the time. But, you know, when you eat out, you eat uh, uh, the processed foods that are out there. uh, That's not as healthy for you as eating the fresh stuff. but. The objective goal is to eat healthy. And that's what from, if you don't do it from a physical perspective, then you need to definitely do it from a uh, godly perspective that you have to eat, be healthy. You know, if you want to lose weight, lose the weight of sin. You want to feel healthy, then Eat the food of God. Eat the, the righteousness uh, that God has, but you have to do it, and you have to do it by your choice in the midst of it. it it's choices, choices, choices. There are times when you may not have a choice, which means there's, there is not another option. You know, somebody runs into you and knocks you off the road, there's not a choice. I. Uh, but if I offer you water, you I'm thirsty, I need something to drink. And I offer you water, you still have a choice. Just you don't have two options of drink, but you have a choice of drink or don't drink. Cause well, what if I hand you a glass of poison? You're thirsty here. Drink this. It's poison. Oh yeah. No, you wouldn't drink it if you knew it was poison. So start recognizing the things in this world and in this life and in faith that you're drinking that are poison that you need to stop drinking and you need to intake more of the word of God. And I'm speaking to myself just as much as I am anybody else because I want to continually work on a continual increase of having conversation with God on a regular basis and spending more and more time in the word and in conversation just so I can understand more and more so that I can help more and more people. Something that really stood out to me when you said that draw near to God and they will draw near to you with the aspect with um, Cindy, that thing about the scripture where it says, in the way that you raise the child that they will go. And it just made me think about how much have you, and I've been influenced by other people and doing what they do because you draw near to them and they draw near to you. You, you do what they do. And then you draw near to them because you latch on to what behavior that they do. So think about being an example for somebody else that you may not look at it like this, but you live the truth of God. You do what is right. And 
um, that effect will have effect on other people. It doesn't mean that they necessarily will choose it, but the best opportunity for them to choose it, because the word says that, how do you not know if you will win over your husband or the wife because of your good conduct, <clears throat> but that's given them the example to draw near to that. If you do what is right, that will draw people that they'll see what is right because why would y'all have the Israelites wipe out nations? Because they know that if they draw near to those people and do what they do, that you'll do those things. So get rid of that and don't go into their programming and idolatry because you'll be drawn close to it because you're drawing near to them. So this isn't just like a physical aspect that, you know, you walk towards the fire and the fire is consuming, but it's just that everything you do has an effect on everybody else. So, you know, good cause, and meaning good as functional, functional cause, functional effect, dysfunctional cause, dysfunctional effect. And I remember you saying this, that the, the bad character corrupts, what is it? We always get this backwards. That, um, bad character corrupts good company that, but if you reverse that, you know, good character, you know, has the opportunity to, you know, somebody could change somebody's mind, but if you keep doing the dysfunctional around people, then likely they're not going to do the functional. They're going to do the dysfunctional They're, they're going to want to fit in. But it, it just made me think this goes deeper than just a literal little, you know, because how you draw near, because if I draw near to you in conversation, you know, if I want to speak to you on the phone or by text, if I don't draw near to you, how am I going to get a response from you? It's not going to be possible. I'm just waiting for Phil to contact me. Well, you may not even be thinking about me, but I draw near to you. Oh, it's Sean. Hey, how are you doing? That same thing with God that, well, I'm not hearing from God. And God's like, well, I'm not hearing from Sean. I wonder, I guess he's just thinking he can just solve his problems on his own. So I'll just, and then, oh, Sean's calling. You know, like you get a phone call. How can you answer a call when a call isn't placed? You know, you can't. So it just makes me think that if, if you want something to change in your life, or if you want somebody to come towards you, go towards them. Well, as we wind up for this morning, and again, there's so many different directions that mother could go with any topic. We could revisit this one again later down the road and completely cover a whole bunch of other stuff and tons of different scriptures that talk about choice. And uh, you can see it through the word. You can see it where people made specific choices that were a detriment to them. You see where uh, in Deuteronomy where it's given that you have these this choice. You, you either obey or disobey. And so you have uh, blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. But don't perceive that just because you got a financial windfall that that's a blessing from God because Talk to countless people who got that windfall from the lottery and five years later <clears throat> asked them how much of a blessing that was. And, you know, ask Mike Tyson how much of a blessing it was for him to win those fights and be getting the money he was with all the people coming out of the woodwork and looking for <clears throat> looking for handouts and everything so uh and it's interesting because blessings uh are perceived by what feels good rather than what is truly what's best for you and we want to be looking for the blessings of god 
Uh, they are things that are truly what's best for you, not what feel good. Now, some of what God has as a blessing for you does feel good. There's no question about it. But there's a lot of things that God has that's a blessing for you that doesn't feel good. Why? It's a blessing for you because, well, you feel like this now, but it's going to propel you to change and become a better person. And therefore, you're blessed because you you are able to become better for God in the long run. And so as we finish here for this morning, we're talking about the psychology of choice. Be very careful when you have options of what option you make. When you claim faith in God, you must take to the best of your ability every thought captive. Now, you're not going to be able to do that at first, and will we ever be able to do that completely uh, in this life? Probably not, but we can increase and get better and better at taking more and more thoughts captive because once you captivate them and you make it submissive to Messiah, then you decide whether they're free to go and you can go along with that idea or no, this one needs to be locked up and put in jail because it's not the right it's not truly not the right thing, but you have to make those decisions and those choices based in the truth of God if it's going to be the best benefit for you and it's going to be a blessing. Just because you have houses and cars and you may have a house on a lake or a house at the ocean and, oh, just blessed, just blessed by God, and you don't realize that those things that you perceive as a blessing from God are curses from God, blessings from the enemy, because it keeps you distracted, keeps you uh, in a place where you're not seeking God because you say, well, I have what, everything I need. Everything feels good. and But the reality is, is you know that you don't, and you have to make hard choices. You have to draw, get away from bad company because it, it is the bad company that corrupts good character. And, you know, that's why the greatest portion of people in Christianity that might hear this message will be swayed by what Christianity says rather than what we're presenting here as truth because the bad company will always corrupt good character. Even if you have somebody that's like, oh, I really want to know the truth. Well, you have to decide that I'm going to know the truth and I don't care how it affects me. Make that choice. Then that uh, bad company will not corrupt your character. Why? Because you'll get away from it. You'll get away. That will no longer be the company that you hang around in. And the more you hang around with the people you hang around, the more you will become like those people. That's a fact. And so it's really interesting along the process. So, um, Sean, you look like you had something come to mind. Um, I don't know if you did or not, but you have anything to say before we uh, finish up or as we sign off for this morning. Well, I just, this just came to mind that Yah is teaching when they give this information. And it's just interesting how you could take it and say, yes, it is for other people. But just as I'm sitting here, just giving information to me about just my life and my faith journey that Yah is speaking to when Yah speaks, they speak to everybody. And there are times when they'll bring out information for a specific person for a help. But if you really dig for it and you really listen, 
um, what we talk about here is this is for us first and for everybody else, because if we sit here and think that, oh, I don't have an issue with drawing near to God, no, then, then you could always draw closer to Yah, no matter, even if you're close to them, you could, you know, spend more time. And it's not necessarily about the amount, the amount of time, but it's, it's about time. So, cause just spend time with Yah, spend more time, even if it's a minute more than it's a minute more than it was before to where a lot of times for me, I'll get locked into a certain, well, I didn't spend this allotment of time. Well, but has y'all come to me and said, well, you need to spend five more minutes with me. You need to spend 10 minutes. You need to spend 15, 20. No, just spend the time. And that will increase as you spend more time. Just like you watch TV. When you first watch TV, you didn't watch it for six hours at a time that increased as you kept doing it. So those that may struggle with prayer or reading, um, think about not focusing on just the amount of time, but just focus on just like we said, I'm going to do this and just start. And it will increase as you are more diligent and you keep with it. So just keep in mind that with the psychology of choice, it is all in your hands. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.